Well, let's talk about The Witcher. Okay. Um, I don't even know where to start this. I know. Uh, I don't. I'm like, I'm so, just gearing up to get back into it on the Switch. So I'm like, oh, it's all going to start again. Well, why don't I just give you my narrative and then we'll, we'll talk about our hopes and dreams for the future. Okay. Okay. Which is. You know I love Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, mm-hmm. But it's more than love because the Uncharted series was what got me a PS3 when I never thought I was going to buy a console. It was like many years since mm-hmm. I bought a console, but I bought a PS3 because I was sick for an extended period of time and I had nothing to do but lie around. And I was like, I hear this Uncharted game's good. Uncharted 3 comes with a si- system. It's on sale. This is like 2012 or whatever. Bought the system, played Uncharted 3 like three times, got the other games, played through them. And I totally fell in love with the uh, um, third-person single-player storytelling that Sony yeah. has done so well, right? For for a number of years now, Last of Us Two was amazing. I mean, even going back and playing games I played on my computer, like Modern Warfare, you know, um, w- w- was a cool experience. But it was definitely those adventure games, Tomb Raider, so forth. Um, and then I wasn't sure I was going to buy a PS4, and then I watched someone play horizon zero dawn and i'm like i have to play this game and i will i will continue to say man even though i think the xbox controller has always been better than the playstation controllers i have never played a game where i have forgotten for such a long period that i was using a controller than horizon zero dawn on the playstation 4 it's you are like one with the environment the horse riding spectacular the bow and arrow stuff it, it couldn't be better um yeah. while it is somewhat of a limited game in some ways it, it just completely felt amazing and that is one of those games out there i wish i had the option to plunk down money for more content i would be like please i'll give you 20 dollars for 10 more hours like anything like please give me more content they've resisted it i know they're working on horizon 2 that's probably part of it but anyways everyone was like dude you love rpgs you love fantasy stuff and horizon stole a ton from the witcher which i had heard you're gonna love the witcher it was a little janky at first the combat i didn't get the inventory was all over the place and so i actually put it down for a few um for a little while and then came back to it and then fell totally in love once the story got going and i fell in love with Geralt and syria and yennefer and tris marigold and goddamn dandelion i love that stupid motherfucker <laughs> um i love all them and I got really into the combat too, actually. I, I found my groove, you know, like which signs I liked and how I wanted to fight and so forth. And I ended up really getting into the combat um, yeah. as well as the amazing uh, story. And this has only happened once before, man. When I was a kid, I played a series of RPGs that led me to read. The, uh, uh, and it was one of those games that was written by a pretty famous uh, fantasy writer in the 80s and 90s named Raymond E. Feist. And uh, my parents had bought me the game and the game was so good. And I, re- I heard it was by a fantasy writer. I ended up reading all like 25 of his books and have gone through them, I think, twice. Um, you know, it totally made me fall in love with the property. And The Witcher, I'd heard, was, you know, like Tolkien level great um, in terms of like world building. And mm. dude, as I told you off mic, through via mostly audiobook, I've gone through all eight Witcher books, the five sort of series saga books, as I call them, and the three short story books, which are maybe even better than the series saga books because they're so damn good. And now I'm going through them again. And this is Peter Kenny, who's like maybe the best reader uh, of audiobooks out there. He's a, you know, a nominated or I'm sorry, winning uh, 
theater guy. I don't want to say he's in England. He's a big theater guy in England and does amazing voice work and does all the books. He does all the voices. It sounds like completely different characters. And I, I, I mean, the world is nowhere near as big as Middle Earth, but in terms of sheer writing, he's far beyond Tolkien in terms of writing ability. Um, is Sapkowski, Andrei Sapkowski, the, the writer of The Witcher, um, the best fantasy writer I've ever read. And he focuses almost completely on dialogue and character stuff, which is what I love. And so I'm going to throw it to you for your story. But just to tease the Netflix series, if they stick to dialogue and character stuff between the main characters, it's going to succeed. If they try and do a lot of mustache twirling, like which there is some of in the books, but not nearly like Game <laughs> of Thrones. If they stick to if it's a 90% bad guys mustache twirling and killing people like in Game of Thrones, that would be against the spirit of the book. And I don't think it'll be good. But Sapkowski is supposedly an executive producer on it. So I think it's going to be OK. I know I just said a lot. Alistair, you love The Witcher. Talk about anything you want. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I'm definitely pumped for the TV show. Um, I think it will be interesting to see what um, story they go with, um, as you've said. Um, it's such a big such a big world to dive into. Um, I feel like Netflix and the creators must have a really long-term plan for the show uh, because – I, uh, I don't know. I just can't imagine only one season of this show, right? Like, there's so much to dive into. The game, like, there's going to be a resurgence with it coming to Switch. Um, hopefully, CG Project Red will announce The Witcher Four sometime soon. Fingers crossed. Um, I would much prefer they were doing that than Cyberpunk, but that's a different story. Uh, wouldn't we all? Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I haven't actually read any of the books, um, but I have the audio book of, hang on a moment, because thanks to your podcast, um, I have Blood of Elves. Yep. That's the beginning of the Pentology, the five book series saga. So the deep, okay. like that leads directly into the Witcher 3 game. So if Ooh, you want to know how he okay. starts with Siri, he actually meets Siri in the short stories that start before that. But the relationship with Siri and Yennefer and so forth are, are going full swing with starting with Blood of Elves. And that's the the, the juicy stuff that those five books and leads it leads with her leaving into the sunset, basically, in a way I don't want to spoil. We know that from The Witcher 3. It's not a spoiler, right? She comes back. They think she's dead or she hasn't been around for years. And that's how The Witcher 3 starts is, you know, the emperor of Nilfgaard basically orders you under pain of death to find his, you know, daughter slash future wife or whatever. Mm. Um and by the way, dude, there is a lot of the gross stuff in Game of Thrones that people do like in The Witcher. The difference is you have some real good guy heroes like Ciri, Yennefer, and Geralt who, yes, are complicated and sometimes make bad decisions who you can root for as good guys. That's the difference with Game of Thrones. Mm. Game of Thrones, they kill all the good guys or rape and murder and torture them until like the last episode, basically, right? I mean, that is not what it's about. You should definitely read Blood of Elves. Once you're done that, you're going to want to read the other four. None of them are super long. I will say, though, Alistair, his okay. short story books fill in a lot of the relationships and then also the world building stuff so like you know all the millions of types of creatures and concoctions and decoctions and so forth in the game like a lot of that world building does come from the main books but also the short stories it shows how he met Siri it um, interestingly they they um, he never explains the actual meaning of Yennefer and Dandelion which I love because they're the other two mains that just that he knows them um, and Dandelion's in the books a lot and it's great that he is because it can get really 
dark um uh what's going on to siri in particular um to all the main characters but that's awesome for sure we'll read it my guess alistair is there i mean um, what i would do is um do follow the witcher 3 in, in terms of the tv show or even ignore the witcher 3 and do their version of what happens after lady of the lake which is book five of the series saga the pentology um but they yeah. also might do a prequel though because he specifically does mm. prequel stories that take place many years before the main story and there's tons of things that happen that are sort of hinted at or mentioned between you know especially Geralt and Triss and Geralt and Yennefer you know his various sorceresses that he falls in love with and so forth um, but also Ciri I mean Ciri's much older in The Witcher 3 than she ever is in the video um uh, much older in the video game than she ever is in the books. Excuse me. Um, and it's hard to tell from the casting because the, the the woman they cast looks older than I would imagine Siri in the book, but younger than in the game. So I'm not sure where they're going to go. I'm open to anything because again, I love the relationships. Um, so while we're on it, what are a couple things that you particularly love about um, about that world? Having just played played The Witcher Three, um, I think it was definitely the like the depth of the story that got me like a lot of times with these open world games, the story's like, Oh, I've seen this before. Um, yep. And it, it gets very fetch questy and this felt like even when it did get to <laughs> a lot of fetch quests, there was always a story and a history and a lore behind it that made it not feel generic, even though it kind of is, because <laughs> it's pretty much the same open world format as every other game out there. But attaching real, real strong characters, both male and female, and a history and a lore just adds something to it that no one else is doing right now or has done. Um, so I think that's what actually got me into this series. And, and I, I think the reason they nailed the open world is because when you read the books, it feels like an open world. It feels like anything's possible because it starts from Geralt's perspective, man. But there are large stretches of the book that are directly from the brain and perspective of Ciri, Yennefer, and Dandelion, or Dandelion in particular. And let me tell you, dude, during the darkest moments when horrible things are happening, all of a sudden you get three Dandelion chapters with him, you know, in his own brain, like building himself up as this great hero and the best poet ever. And it, it just exactly the... I, I really hope this young guy they cast for Dandelion is, is hilarious because you need that humor. Um, you know, yeah. he, he's a little bit like Peter Dinklage in Game of Thrones, but he's a freelancer, you know, he, he is a bard and he is a brilliant bard. And the fact that he's a brilliant bard gets them out a lot of trouble. But because of his personality of being such a, you know, prissy little, you know, uh, whiny bitch at times, it also gets them <laughs> in a lot of trouble. But it's specifically... Yeah. And you can tell from the game out there, but you'll see in the books, you see exactly why Al uh, Geralt loves Dandelion, even though he's constantly yelling at Dandelion and telling him to shut his mouth and stop talking and stop doing stuff. Dandelion doesn't <laughs> stop. And you realize yeah. that Geralt, who rarely talks and, you know, barely has emotion, 
he needs someone in his life like that who fills up that empty space because Yennefer is not often there even when they're lovers and Triss is not often there even when they're lovers and they can't be trusted Dandelion can be trusted to Geralt knows exactly when he's lying he knows exactly when he's telling the truth he knows you know all that stuff but he knows like he can completely trust Dandelion's intention because Dandelion will complain about a forced march for for 10 days and then Geralt's like okay Dandelion you have to leave we're heading into real trouble and Dandelion will be like there's no way I'm leaving you even though it's totally irrational he can't fight or do anything he just always wants to help Geralt and there's an amazing this isn't a spoiler but Yennefer despises Dandelion early on as you would imagine a lot of them can't stand him but later in the series this isn't a spoiler just a character thing um and i'll give you final word on this and we'll move on yennefer and dandelion end up having to to walk together for a few days or a few weeks or something and she tells she thanks him and he's like i thought you absolutely hated me and and then she goes on to say a much longer and more articulate version of what i just said and she realized how important it was to the man he loved this crazy loud mouthy you know times coward at times irrationally brave you know bard and singer and you know always trying to get laid guy um and she thanks him because she's she's basically like look i may never love you but because Geralt loves you and i love Geralt, i, I essentially love you then you get those sweet moments in the book it's not you know that, that, you, that you're not really expecting and my final thought alistair i'll give you about the series i don't know if you know more mm-hmm. than me i don't know very much is that while Geralt is nominally the main character, both in and out of the book, meaning both from the perspective of the characters and our perspective, the other characters are way more interesting, and that's why we spend a lot of time with Ciri, Yennefer, Triss, and, and Dandelion in the book. And Geralt knows that, and because Geralt knows that he's a great guy and very powerful, but he knows that he's kind of dull, and so he likes mm. to surround himself with interesting people, whether he would admit it to himself like that or not, um, and hence Yennefer and hence Dandelion. Um, uh, and, and so uh, I guess what I'm saying is Henry Cavill may be super famous and I'm very happy with that casting I think he'll do great if he gets great material but if for the series to succeed we need to see as much Yennefer, Siri, and a couple other in Dandelion as Geralt at least um, to be loyal just to the feel of the books does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what have you heard of anything slash expectations for the show? And we'll move on to our final section. Um, I actually haven't heard anything. Okay. So I have no idea what they're doing, what stories they're going to lean from. Why don't um, we keep each I, other in the dark on this one? Maybe we should, you and I should not try and seek out spoilers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I just hope they have a long-term vision for the I show. Is all I'm hoping. Yeah. Yep. You mentioned multi-season earlier on. I meant to hell yeah that. I, I think they do. I think they have. I think they have to. It's it's a story that needs to be told over a long period of time. You cannot rush it, regardless of where it starts and where it ends. Yeah. Yeah. 